You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniyya al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome back to the program. You are listening to China Africa Talk, the program that brings you news and opinions from a Chinese and African perspective. I'm Bridget Mutambirwa coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. The 37th ordinary session of the African Union Assembly of the Heads of State and Government was held on February 17 and 18 in Addis Ababa, capital of Ethiopia. The two-day meeting focused on key continental priorities ranging from peace and security to climate change, economic development, and Africa's role in the wider global multilateral context. It also addressed how to enhance education and skills to meet the continental vision and market needs. China's President Xi Jinping sent a congratulatory message to the summit, pointing out that the world today is undergoing profound changes unseen in a century and the global south represented by China and Africa is booming, which has a profound impact on the course of the world history. So what key continental issues were deliberated by the African leaders at this year's AU summit and what could China's future role be in supporting China-AU partnerships? I'm joined by guests, Professor Wang Jingjie, research assistant professor at the National School of Development and the Institute of South-to-South Cooperation and Development of Peking University, and Dr. Emil Ragasana, deputy chief of staff of the cabinet of the deputy chairperson of the AU Commission. Professor Wang and Dr. Ragasana, thank you for joining us today on China Africa Talk. Uh, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you for having us. Dr. Ragasana, the 37th ordinary session of the African Union Assembly of the Heads of State and Government was held on February 17 to the 18th in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. What were some key issues that African leaders discussed at this year's summit? What were the outcomes of the gathering? Thank you very much for having me. The summit of Heads of State of Member States of the African Union discussed many topics, among other things, Agenda 2063. The theme of the year of 2024 for Africa is education. Other points also we have discussed, we have peace and security, the world governance. You remember that 2023, the African Union joined the G20. It was discussed how the continent will play its role to make sure that the voice of the continent is heard. Other issues that have been discussed also, there are the ongoing reforms to make sure that the African Union is delivering on its mandate to the citizens of the African continent. So those are the main issues that have been discussed, and the outcome has been that to continue to increase the role of African continent to the global governance, to accelerate the implementation of Agenda 2060, the call to education for African youth to make sure that they are the ones who are going to implement that Agenda 2063. Professor Wang, China's President Xi Jinping sent a congratulatory message to the 37th AU summit calling for a drawing up of a new blueprint for China-Africa cooperation and promoting the joint building of a high-level China-Africa community with a shared future. How would you characterize the China-AU camaraderie in regards to Africa's development, also China's role aligned with the AU 2063 agenda? 
Thank you, Bridget, for the question. The China-AU camaraderie in regards to Africa's development can be characterized by multifaceted partnership. First of all, maybe the most important one is economic cooperation. China has has emerged as a significant economic partner for many African countries with trade investment and ties deepening over the years. China's investment uh, infrastructure, we all very familiar with that topic. We discussed that many times before. But also other than the infrastructure projects, we have uh, provided a development assistance to Africa through grants or technical cooperation programs. So that kind of uh, development assistance for human development aimed at supporting the social economic development, especially for capacity building and the poverty reduction initiatives are also be very important. Another issue we probably worth mentioning is China provided the scholarship and training programs for African students. As uh, Dr. Vagasana mentioned, the year of 2024 is the year for education. So I would like to mention about the cooperation between China and Africa for the training programs. So since the year of 2020, China has become the leading country in terms of uh, government scholarship to sub-Saharan African countries, surpassing the offerings of other countries like UK and the United States. So that's all shows these kind of exchanges and uh, education cooperations contribute very largely to the human capital development strengthening the bonds of friendship between China and Africa. Over to you, Dr. Ragasana. Given Africa's increasing prominence on the global stage, exemplified by the AU's permanent membership in the G20 and the growing engagement of African countries in key multilateral platforms such as BRICS, how do you evaluate Africa's role in global governance? First of all, African Union to join the G20 has been a big milestone in two ways. One way is that many times, many forums, Africa was being discussed and Africa was not present. This time, Africa will be sitting around the table where global issues will be discussed and the voice of Africa will be heard. This is the first thing we should be thankful that now the African Union is joining G20. Secondly, Africa also is bringing its experience. It has been common that the wisdom and the science is coming from one side of the world, but this time also Africa will bring on the table of discussion, sharing its experience in global governance, in democracy, in trade. If we take an example of global governance, you see that Africa is pleading that the United Nations Security Council should be reformed. You know, we have only five countries, but also we don't have any permanent member from the African continent. So Africa is also pleading to make sure that we are having a permanent member of the UN Security Council so that we can have a balance. Talking about trade, it has been a problem since 60s, 70s, where mainly the West has been determining the price of commodities and buying those commodities. We say there should be a balance when it comes to world trade, making sure that the African continent is playing a role. So briefly, the African Union joining G20, African Union joining other platforms of world governance will bring the African voice being heard, but also the African continent will share its experience in different areas of life.
Professor Wong, China is the largest developing country in the world and the AU represents the continent with the most developing countries. What role can the two sides play in increasing the voice of the global south and pushing for the reforms of international institutions? China and uh, AU indeed could uh, both play very significant roles in increasing the voice of Global South and advocating for reforms of international institutions. We have already seen that happening. The coordinating their efforts and leveraging their combined influence, they can amplify the voice of developing countries in international forums. As we have already known at UN and WTO and IMF, we see that kind of a pushing for reforms that address the needs and the priorities of developing nations. It's happening. They have enhanced their collective bargaining power and uh, advocating for reforms that promotes the equitable uh, representation and decision-making in the international institutes. Also, China and the AU can strengthen the South-South cooperation initiatives together. For example, we are studying the development aid recently as a research topic. We're doing investigations in how these kind of South-South cooperation and development aid facilities knowledge transferring and technology transfer, capacity building, that kind of efforts among the developing countries. For example, China's agricultural technology demonstration centers. Another is the technical vocational training programs, such as a Luban workshop, not only improve the technology transfer, but also increase the, the workers' uh, skill formation and uh, provide the, the jobs. But more importantly, I think China and the AU can advocate for reforms for international uh, institutes to ensure that they are more inclusive, transparent, and responsive to the needs of developing nations. And that kind of trend is happening. And are we looking forward for or this kind of reform addressing issues of being more about inequality, power imbalances, uh, and systematically the biases. That kind of issues are all more and more being addressed. So China and the AU can contribute greatly together for the interests of the global south, for sure. Mm. Dr. Ragasana, the AU's theme for 2024 is educate an African fit for the 21st century, building resilient education systems for increased access to inclusive, lifelong quality and relevant learning in Africa. Why do you think the AU Summit shed light on education this year? This year, the African Union thought African countries should consider the theme of education. Why? The population of the African continent, 70% of them are youth. Again, the second reason is that these youth, they are the ones that are going to implement the Agenda 2063. We are entering the second year of 10-year implementation where the African countries should have reviewed it last 10 years of Agenda 2063. Many inaccuracies have been identified. And now the African Union wants member states to equip African youth to have a standardized education, making sure that they can meet the international standards when it comes to international employment market. And then also being able to implement the Agenda 2063 as we are entering the second 10-year implementation. We've been receiving reports that the quality education is depleted. This year is the year of review, to review the curriculum, the quality of education, the quality of teachers, making sure that at the end of this year, We receive an evaluation from member states to see really what should be done in 
this is second tenure implementation of Agenda 26 so to make sure that we are filling the gap in terms of education to make sure that the quality youth is receiving across the continent is meeting the standards, allowing the people to respond to challenges of current wars, pandemics, through different crises. Professor Wang, how does Africa's pursuit for education development resonate with China's initiative to support Africa's talent development. This is a topic that I really wanted to discuss with you and Dr. Wagasana as well. I, I think uh, education become more and more important, most importantly because we see the capacity building for humans for large pool of youth on the continent becomes more and more urgent. Uh, in terms of uh, the development drives. We see this uh, large population. As of last year, 2023, Africa's population has uh, surpassed the 1.4 billion already, with the projection estimating it to reach nearly 2.5 billion, I think, by the year of 2050. Over 70%, I think 74% of them are are children and young adults aged from 15 to 35. So when we are looking at this large population group, we see the potential development drives. So unlike the other regions uh, where the working age population is declining, Africa's workforce continue to grow very steadily. So we can expect that... uh, Africa possesses this significant potential capable of driving economic growth. However, despite this kind of advantage, if Africa's demographic dividend remains largely untapped, it has not yet contributed to the effectively to industry development and economic transformation because of skilled workforce shortage or mismatched skill with the, the industry needs. So China's support should be centered by the human development, by the capacity building. This is a very important direction. China should incorporate any sort of initiatives when they are thinking about the cooperation, aid and trade with Africa. Renowned economics professor Jeffrey David Sachs pointed out it will be difficult for African countries to fund education only with internally generated funds. He suggested the continent should consider securing through borrowing from China, the Gulf countries and traditional donors to bridge its education funding gap. What is your comment on this suggestion? Definitely, Jeffrey Sachs' suggestion reflects the recognition of the significant investment needed to advance education in Africa and the potential role of external partners in providing financial support to supplement Africa's domestic resources. China, as a major emerging economy and a leading provider of uh, development aid to Africa, has financial resources and expertise, can support the large-scale education initiatives. The future role of China in supporting China-AU partnership in education could have significantly implications for the relationship between China and AU countries. Enhanced educational cooperation could also contribute to the achievement of the shared development goals, let's say the poverty reduction, economic growth, and the social inclusion. However, during this process, there are two issues we have to be very careful. 
for that kind of cooperation. One, it is very essential for both China and AU countries to ensure that this education financing or education cooperation or aid is used effectively and transparently. It should be focused on improving access to quality education, promoting quality connecting job with the skilled training to meet the needs of the learners. Uh, most of the development uh, fund or aid goes to the elementary school or secondary uh, school. 70% of the fund to education goes to that area. So now we probably need to switch the paradigm from the basic secondary education, maintain that, but also should look at the, the job training related like TVET education. Secondly, is to include different stakeholders. Most of the education cooperation process, they didn't integrate the industry needs with the education. Education is education, industry is industry. So from our study, we discovered there's a disconnection between the knowledge learning and the application. So that kind of disconnection between the learning and the labor markets cost either brain drain or cost unemployment. So government, academia, and the industry should be as a team to work for the education initiatives. The integration between those sectors can create a closed loop for the educated students become the employed workers. Hmm. Dr. Ragasana, I'm going to ask you the same question. What is your comment on looking to China and the BRICS and what could be the future role of China in supporting China-AU partnerships in education and how could this impact the future relations between China and AU countries. Why the other parts of the world, the universities started in 11th century, 10th century? Many universities in Africa started early 20th century. So meaning that the majority of the universities throughout the continent started after the independence of African countries, meaning that African countries and the population have been depending on the rest of the world for education. Even today, the same the gap in financing education is still huge, and African countries will continue to depend on the rest of the world to fill the gap. Here, it's where we are going to need China. The majority of the students have been accessing universities in China since the 60s, 70s, and China gave a number of scholarships to many Africans. Even today, through FOCA, China have been announcing many scholarships, all adding to bilateral scholarships that are being given by the government of China. So we think China can play a big role. Continue assisting. The gap is huge. and We are expecting real partners to support, to fund the education throughout the continent. Okay, and still on you, Dr. Ragasana. Now, recently, China's President Xi Jinping replied a letter from representatives of Kenyan students and alumni at Beijing Jiaotong University, encouraging them to continue contributing to the friendship between China and Kenya and between China and Africa. What more can be done to expand opportunities at tertiary levels to strengthen linkages between the world of work and education systems between China and AU member countries? I'm happy that that letter came from Beijing Jiaotong University. I'm also alumni of Beijing Jiaotong University. As I said above, China has been helping the sector of education in Africa starting early 60s, 70s, even today. China has been really providing a scholarship to Africans. What I have to say here that should be done is just the increase in scale. Given that the gap is still huge, it's just up to China to pull socks by increasing scholarships, by increasing their presence in the African think tanks, also extending 
when it comes to professors exchange, making sure that really the, the role of China is visible in, in, in African education, but also play a role in crafting education program in Africa and also promoting the African think tanks to make sure that there is a mutual understanding among peoples, both on the continent of Africa and in China. Professor Wang, the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation has emerged as the main political framework for China's African engagement. China's interaction with the African Union has also deepened over the past few years. How do such platforms, such as the FARCAC and the BRI, respond to the AU priorities and objectives? I think the first thing I wanted to mention is the AU's Agenda 2063 emphasized the need for industrialization to drive economic transformation for Africa's growing population. So during this process, China's engagement through FOCOC and ABRI, including supporting for industry parks, special economic zones, and manufacturing facilities, and FDIs in various African countries, these initiatives not only increase the value-added production, in sectors such as manufacturing, agriculture, and renewable energy. But also one noteworthy aspect in our research study, we discovered that China's FDI has a very uh, significant spillover effects. Take Ethiopia, for example, we look at the percentage of manufacturing to the total GDP. We don't see a huge change, but we see the spillover effects is happening. A very strong spillover effects increase the technology transfer, and especially for the local workers' skill for and also promote the entrepreneurship for the local companies. Our study discovered that 40% of the assembled local managers, they had a foreign company working experiences before they became entrepreneurs. A second is the sustainable development. I think this is an issue both for China and Africa, including environmental protection and inclusive growth. So China has investment in renewable energy, green infrastructure, and sustainable agriculture aligned with AU's sustainability goals outlined in the Agenda 2063. Just to wind off, over to you, Dr. Ragasana. Reflecting from the just-concluded AU summit and moving forward, what should Africa be bringing to the table at this year's FOCAC summit to be held later this year in Beijing? African Union treats China as a reliable partner. Since 2000, a lot have been achieved through WACAC. Students have been given scholarships. Trade has increased and infrastructure have been put in place. Stadiums, roads, railways have been built. This year, 2024, the African Union is bringing on the table the element of trade. We want China to allow final products to be sold on the Chinese market to increase the number of products to be sold tax-free. The African Union is expecting China to play a role by contributing to Peace Fund. Last year, we the Peace Fund achieved the 400 million US dollars that uh, this is kind of a seed African countries are expecting to, to put in the peace operations and we are expecting partners also to chip in. We are expecting China to continue playing a role in adding value on African raw materials, especially minerals on the continent, meaning that if we can have some Chinese factories moving to the continent where they can add value to minerals and where they can contribute to industrialization of the continent, it is good in terms of creating employment for African youth. It is also good to increase the GDP of African countries. Also, we are expecting China to continue to support the African Union to make sure that the United Nations Security Council is reformed. As you know, we have only 
five permanent members of UN Security Council, but among those five, none is Africa. All pen holders are outside the African continent. And we've been saying that the way the United Nations is responding to African peace and security issues, it is sometimes out of context. We think if the pen holders are coming from the continent, think if we have a representative permanent members of the African Union, it can be something very important. And we need China for the, in this regard. We are expecting also China to play a role in food security. You know, there are many agriculture techniques that are in China. If they are introduced in African country, they can contribute in a intensive production of grains, food, making sure that we are solving the issue of food security on the continent. Finally, China has been playing a big role in infrastructure. We are expecting that this role should be increased in terms of building roads, railways, and be playing a part in also water and electricity. Those are things that we are bringing on the table, but also it will depend on China how it will respond. But as we think China is a reliable partner, is a, a big brother, we are expecting a lot from this focus. Many thanks again to you, Professor Wang Jingjie and Dr. Emil Ragasana. Listeners would love to hear your feedback. Send us an email on radio at cgtn.com. Until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.